This is Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making, hosted by me, Nick Andrews, and my brother, Chris. In this episode, the Airbnb bust. Airbnb was all the rage during the second year of the COVID-19 pandemic, with record travel and record demand to match. As a result, Americans with an entrepreneurial spirit started buying houses with the sole intention of renting them out. It was a move that impacted housing supply of major cities, both in the for sale market and in the rental market. And Airbnb hosts started charging fees for things like cleaning and demanding their guests pick up after themselves, even take out the trash. For the past few financial quarters, the pushback started on TikTok, on Facebook, and even on LinkedIn. Now it appears Airbnb's gold rush is over, right as the economy is teetering on the edge of a genuine recession. Real estate is going down, causing people with Airbnb portfolios to be underwater on taxes and mortgages, and cities are pushing back on short-term rentals, imposing incredibly strict laws. The Airbnb bust is upon us. And welcome to episode 45 of Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making. I am Nick Andrews, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Andrews. We are allegedly related, though nothing's been proven. Medical records are insufficient data. Uh, <laughs> you cannot discern anything from medical records. There's no evidence of that. Also, I'm the host, Chris Joined by my co-host Nick. Nick, we got a good episode today. We do. Um, I'm calling it the uh, get this. It's a it's it's a clever play on words. I'm calling it the Airbnb bust. Oh, wow. Whoa. Did you come up with that? I did. I think. Um, yeah. Patent pending. Mm-hmm, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking about the Airbnb. There's a lot. There's just a lot going on. So essentially, we're talking about Airbnb and we're talking about the bust that's clearly having happening in the Western economy right now with housing prices and specifically America and just a bunch of crazy Airbnb stories. Uh, but before we get to that, Chris, I have some sad news to share and I'm just going to use this platform because I created the platform. Our stupid cat woke up f- fucking blind. So that's something that's going on in my life right now. It has, no, oh, it's bad. So what happened is Bella, our dear cat, who's like 19 years old, um, has hypertension and developed hypertensive retinopathy, which you're, is when you're, we think, we don't know. It could be something else. She's a cat. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> it could be nothing. But she woke up literally blind. It's when your retina <clears throat> detaches because you have so much hypertension. It can happen to humans too. It's a little bit worse for cats, but you can just be blind. Um, and it's why, you know, it's important to check your blood pressure because it can just, but it's, it's like a very acute thing. It's when your blood pressure is super high and older people and cats and things. So, we are, uh, she's forcing us to keep the house impeccably clean now that she's blind because apparently cats and dogs, they can be blind because their noses and their ears and things, but we have to keep the house clean, which means no shoes out. And if you have ever met me, that is going to be a challenge. I don't think you've ever kept any space clean that you've lived in ever. <laughs> have you? I have, I have to but now because my poor cat who I actually, who I adore, though I would never admit that publicly, um, <laughs> is going to trip over my shoes and shit. Wow. Uh, I know. Well, you know, maybe this can uh, prevent some 
some stub toes. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a silver lining in all this. Prayers up to uh, to Bella, yes, the blind cat, who gets all the food and whatever she wants. She's got she's got to be a wild animal for the first time in 15 years. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. How unfortunate is that? But we're also, uh, this is going to drop, I think, the day after Halloween, and that would make this Dia de los Muertos, for those of you who celebrate, right? Isn't that, isn't that how you say it? Is it the Day of the Dead? Uh, it is, but I don't know if, is, is, it, is that th- that day? It's November 1st, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we went to a uh, Dia de los Muertos slash Halloween party and dressed him like a black undead cowboy. Yeah, uh, I I, uh, I think I crushed it. I'm not gonna lie to you. Didn't even have to put any makeup on. No, I, a dead looking effect. Also, I uh, it wasn't a costume. That's just how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm sure it was a smash hit. It was it was a smash hit. It was a cool it was a cool night. It's fun to it's fun to be someone else for a little bit. And speaking of being some someone else for a little bit, you own a home. You want to make a little side cash when you're out of town or whatever. Airbnb is this platform that was created, it feels like, 10 minutes ago, but it's been out for a while now. And what it allows people to do is to own houses, to just rent them out to people who are willing to use them. Once people figured out how to make money from this, it became an enormous business. And Chris, the last five years for Airbnb have been quite the roller coaster. Yeah, we've had a really strange like transformation in the economy over the last several mm-hmm. years. Like, So... Airbnb is an example of the type of business that is what you would call the uh, the gig economy. Mm. Uh, the 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 whole point of this kind of like owners, uh, p- people who own things can right. just like lease those things out to other people who need to use those things. Uh, Ride sharing services are the primary example of that. Probably for like the average urban urbanite. You get in a car that belongs to somebody else. That person will willingly take you from A to B. You pay a little bit of money and you go on your way. Uh, it's it's like, it. what if we didn't have to use a company to hire a cab to get me from one place to the next? Just somebody driving their car. Right. Uh, I've also seen like car sharing where somebody can just like rent out their car for the weekend I've to done that. other users. I've done that. And Airbnb is an example of that where people have homes in locations and somebody wants to take a vacation, but they don't want to pay hotel prices. They don't want to go through the whole rigmarole of doing bookings and all that kind of stuff. They can just stay in somebody else's house for a little bit of time. And it had a lot of appeal uh, in, in the early days and it has, it, it sustained a pretty good following, especially for like, you know, a hotel isn't going to have the same vibe as like a cozy little cottage or like a nice right. little beach house or whatever. So it, it has had quite a bit of charm, but uh, as you said, things have changed for Airbnb. Fortunes seem to have run out in yeah. recent months. Yeah. So this is sort of what my experience has been like, and I don't know how many, how many times you've used it. I've used it a couple times and there have been a couple times as a as a renter. I've never rented out a property to Airbnb, but as a renter, the couple times that I've used it, it was a profoundly great experience for a couple of reasons. Like the, the first time that I made our parents use it, I was living in Philadelphia. We invited them to come to Thanksgiving with us. Like, well, let's not do it in a hotel. Let's get an Airbnb and we'll have a Thanksgiving meal around a table. And it was nice. It was really great. I remember that was when we were upstairs from the barcade, the, which Philly's got a great one. There are some, some kind of plasticky barcades, but like real barcades that are gross where your feet stick to the floor. That was a great barcade. Yeah, we played like NBA jams. Like, what was it, like NBA 95 or NBA whatever? NBA 95, NBA jams. Like, like that was the, 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 and obviously the Jazz and the Bulls are the greatest. Oh, it, was, it was so much fun to, to play like that game. Is we Airbnb'd, right? It's better than a hotel because like, what are you going to do, sit on a bed, like rent out a well, And then the location room. was so much more convenient. And yeah. like they had like, it, it felt like a place that was a home and it was meant to be a home and like host people specifically for the purpose of like doing stuff like that with like family get-togethers and, and enjoying the city without like having this kind of 
corporatized, sterile sort of feeling of a hotel room. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think that, I mean, the other times I've used it, the, the, my greatest experience, the, the times that it's been the most convenient for me, twice at State College, Pennsylvania, uh, or twice at Oxford, Mississippi, and once at State College, Pennsylvania, those are tiny college towns that are for, for football. Like the, the town does not have the infrastructure for football weekends in Oxford, Mississippi, and State College, Pennsylvania. So these people, um, and I kind of DM'd the people, one of them was actually a girl I went to college with. Um, she, was, she has a job in California, they own the unit. And so she airbees and bees it out for, for football. And then in state college, it was, a, it was an assistant professor that just, she leaves town with her kids for the weekend to Airbnb the home. Like that's kind of making extra bucks. And those were houses. Like they have cereal in there. I was like, well, don't touch their fucking cereal. And like, I'm just, I don't want to sleep in a hotel. This is an easier situation. This makes a ton of sense. You own a thing, you can make some extra cash and it helps everybody out. gives people a place to say it's people helping people. And the, 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 the generosity and the, the vibe of these kind of gig economies is great. However, people figured it out. They figured out how much money can be made. They made it a systemic situation. And what that did was once people figured out that per night, per weekend, or per week, you can make more money than you can per month if you rent out a house that you own. And during COVID, when people were traveling in insane, insane amounts and the economy just it fell off the face of the earth there for about six months, everyone was like, let's just buy all the houses and we'll just Airbnb them out, right? And that meant a couple of things. The demand was up, so prices for the rent, like the, the rental rates were way up, but housing prices were down and people had money to go out and spend. And this happened in 2008 with that financial crisis. Everybody was like, well, how, this will just keep happening. Like, well, no, the economy occasionally goes down. And when that happens, everybody's fucked at the same time, at the same time. Customers are like, okay, this was cheap and convenient. It's actually now really expensive and you're being douchebags about it. And also, I don't want to go. And so I'm not going to go. And then the caveat, the piece de resistance, which is a phrase I'm going to keep saying here on this, on this particular podcast, is that cities got really pissed that these people were buying up all of the housing supply and they have cut that shit out. Yeah, so there's there's basically like three factors kind of at play here, and it, I, I feel like the, the high watermark for Airbnb was probably like early to late, like after COVID had shocked the world yeah. and people were in lockdown and like kind of just as vaccines were starting to roll out and like record tourism in national parks in yeah. like mid to late 2020. In like 2021, the tourist season was like higher than ever. Uh, 2022, that number plummeted off a cliff, right. yep. uh, just like Airbnb. So there's there's like generally less traffic and it's like, you know, if, if people had, well, I mean, we live in a world where the economy was basically just like stifled. So it was like a year of building up tension and like wanting to consume, like demand was just rising and rising and rising. There's no outlet for it. Right. And so suddenly people got vacation like a year later because the vaccine worked and people could travel freely and safely. And so there was just a lot more activity. So this like high watermark kind of, it, it, it kind of happened after the first sort of uh, shock of COVID after the vaccines rolled out. And I, and I feel like, you know, culturally, there was this like kind of coming together of like multiple factors. And I, I remember seeing this one tweet and I, I, I forgot to, uh, to to look up who said it, but it was somebody who said like hotels actually are awesome. Yeah. If, if you're going to go stay at some place like you don't want somebody yelling at you doing chores and like yes. you get your your bed clothes changed every day and you get fresh towels and like it's actually a predictable experience and and all kinds of stuff so i remember seeing that tweet and thinking like wow maybe this uh this gig economy really is is crashing down but but, yeah. but as you said there they're basically like three factors at play here one is the economic kind of 
curiosity of, of the post-COVID boom in, in demand for just wanting to go out and do experiences. The second is this like systematization that people systematization systematization you nailed that they systematized you nailed airbnb was supposed to be like a local gig-based economy where someone has an asset and they want to rent it out because they're not using it all the time then somebody else can just like buy it well yeah you you find out like the entrepreneurial spirit lives on and so people systematized airbnb and and made it basically a secondary corporate function right Uh, and then the third thing is that people realize that like the experience of doing that like it's not it's not sustainable to have somebody who is just not a good host and like is really demanding of their guests and it, it is expecting the guests to pay the same amount of money to basically like do housework mm-hmm. every time they enter and leave a property. Like people realize that that's just not feasible. Uh, and then, and then the last thing that's uh, that kind of changed with all of this was this like sort of millennial lifestyle subsidy. And I'm not using that term uh, pejoratively because I'm, you know, I'm we're going to do an episode on this uh, to interrupt you. We are going to do an episode on this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a really interesting thing, but it, the, the very, very short version is that a lot of companies who wanted to build a customer base at a loss, uh, like a financial loss for several years did so. And now the bill is coming due and they have a customer base uh, but they can just raise the prices, and so now they're actually making a profit off of all of that. Right. Uh, and Airbnb is an example of that. There was a lot of like gig economy-based uh, companies that kind of used this business model for a while as, as startups. And uh, now we're we're past the we're past the honeymoon of Airbnb being like a romantic place to have like a cozy, chic little getaway. And now it's just like renting out a hotel price, but going to stay in somebody's like crappy English basement and having to like do their laundry. Yeah, so that's the, the the chores part of that is weird. So a couple of my Airbnb experiences, the one in State College with the assistant professor, she didn't give a shit. She was just she's like, make the bed, please. And she, actually, she didn't say that at the end. She's like, just throw this stuff on the floor. It's like, I don't want to watch. Those are probably guest sheets. It's like, yeah, great, done. And then in Oxford one time, I got charged 40 bucks because I ate all of their jerky and chips. And I was like, that's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. I got, well, I was drunk. It was college football weekend. What do you want me to do? There's, there's snacks. And I ate them and I did it on purpose and they charged me and fine, whatever. But then I have not stayed in an Airbnb since they started asking people to like do the laundry and make it clean and then charging fees for cleaning. Like that's part of the hotel experience. Like I'm paying you to do it. Like I don't give a shit that you own the house. Like I know that you don't want to go clean it. That's being a property owner, but they're starting to charge people. And now people are like, I'm not paying $200 to clean your house, eat shit. And so they're going back to hotels and like this all culminated in this Facebook post that went viral, which is just people are saying like Airbnb rentals fell off a cliff and everyone's like, oh no, that sucks. It's really hope you didn't mortgage your entire future on seven Airbnb properties that no one has rented out in three months. That would suck. <laughs> yeah. And, and like we can, we can talk a little bit about uh, some of the numbers. So there's yeah. this report from Market Watch. Uh, recently mm-hmm. uh, that, that that discusses like we say okay airbnb has fallen off a cliff what does that mean uh, what it means is that bookings are down like basically to an, an all-time low and in the report that i'm talking about uh, you know follows one particular guy uh this guy said he made like sixty thousand dollars on his first few months of like renting out airbnb properties and it's like oh yeah this is really great uh but this uh this company air dna it's called air dna Mm-hmm. Uh, it tracks like listings for Airbnb, and then uh, the the competitor for Airbnb is a company called Verbo, uh, and Verbo has their own kind of like little thing. It's like uh, like the dating apps. Each dating app kind of has like a little shtick. Yeah. Uh, Airbnb, Airbnb, and Verbo are a little bit different, and I'm not exactly sure what the ways are, but the concept is the same. It's like somebody has a property, you can rent it out. Uh, 
the uh, the, the and I also want to point out that Verbo is not like an independent startup. It's a company that's owned by Expedia. So right. like the travel uh, the travel organization Expedia, like they own that. It's just like a different sector of the economy. Uh, and so this uh, this Air DNA uh, company. Uh, had this report to send to MarketWatch. It said after two years of extended seasonality and many destinations benefiting from longer stays and more work-from-anywhere flexibility, we're now seeing a correction toward a new benchmark year. And so this was like in 2022. So the market is recorrecting, according to to AirDNA. And they they said it's the correction is where seasonality sits somewhere between like the old normal and this 2021 post-COVID high-demand boom. Uh, and so, like, the numbers are, are are super, super down. Like, in September, uh, available short-term U.S. listings uh, on Airbnb were, went up to, like, 1.38 million. So, they, they increased by 23% year over year. Uh, that's 23%? Just like just, they were just available? Yeah. Yeah, just, like, a huge, huge increase in During supply. football. Yeah. Because that's been my almost 100% of my Airbnb experience has been during football season and kind of for the purpose of football. Yeah, traveling to go like watch yeah. NFL games, go watch college games, go visit with your buddies, have a little reunion or whatever. Right, exactly. And like, and that twenty three percent is up year over year. Uh, so that's comparing it to the post COVID boom. So twenty twenty one, huge amount of demand, a lot of people going out and renting properties. The the following year, twenty five percent more spaces are available. Uh, but I also want to say, that like, in accordance with what the Air DNA company said, that's actually almost a ten percent increase compared to twenty nineteen. Like this, the the last pre-COVID September. So it's a little bit up anyway. Uh, So people are generally feeling like, all right, maybe this is just not the optimum way to go. Maybe this isn't the best design for my vacation. So we're like kind of, kind of recorrecting here. Uh, But what, one of the results of that is that Airbnb hosts, like the guy who's mentioned in this market report are saying like, we have, I was at like 80% occupancy rate for all of my properties, which was not the point of Airbnb in the first place. It was not supposed to be like that. Correct. Uh, To now a zero. Like, I don't have anybody booked out till like, November. And there's just, it's it's totally different from all the previous years that Airbnb hosts have been putting their properties on the market for rentals. It's, uh, it it really has just, like, slammed headlong into a cliff where uh, there's just no demand for these properties compared to previous years. Yeah. And not only that, but then people, like you said, the systemization, um, <laughs> the, the, the other part of this is that people are buying up the housing supply with the purpose of being entrepreneurs. And on, on top of the fact that cities were like, this is, we don't want you to do this to our housing supply where a house sits vacant, like 80, 90, 95, 99% of the time for like five weekends. So you can make as much in, in 12 days as you could for 12 months. The cities don't like that, but because they've saturated all the supply, these people, they've really artificially fucked with housing markets and certain like, m- like mini, like mid-level markets, like think like the size of say, like Memphis to like as low as say Billings, like the mid-level cities. They've really screwed with housing prices because someone will own 10 homes, they're airbnb them out. And because demand is falling while the market is saturated with all of these availabilities, like if you own 10 houses at Airbnb and they're not awful, there's a problem. And then when housing goes down, and this is where we're seeing a huge clusterfuck, and this is the housing crash. Is gonna, it's not going to be 2008, did economy, did the, like economics fail? But it's going to be weird because all of these hosts are like, I can't pay my fucking mortgage. Like, yeah, dude, that's kind of the risk here is that you think the houses, this I, little side quest, this is a little side quest. Everybody says own property is the greatest investment, right? Because theoretically housing goes up and, and land parcels always go up over long periods of time. 
because I work in senior housing and I've learned about how to retire and whatnot, the reason that you rent out your house or you Airbnb at your house is not to create profit in, in like the long term as an individual. The reason you rent out your house is that the, the profit, the investment comes when you sell it down the road. You, you just oh. own this, you, this, this leveraged property. So like, even though you could collect 12, 14, 2,200, 4,000 bucks a month, that's great. And you want to use that and you have to pay tax on that. And that's revenue. The real money comes when your house doubles in 20 years, the value doubles. Yeah. And then you have that house on your, your, your listing the entire time. When you get into single family homes, like houses, and you start developing them and, and creating this portfolio of Airbnb houses, the risk you run is that you can't withstand the dips in the market that last more than like three months. And when that happens, yeah. you have to get rid of them and then your losses are like unrecoverable. And that's what happened in 2008. And that, again, that I don't think is going to happen. But my wife and I are, are in the process of moving now and we're like, the housing market is getting to the point where we're like, we shouldn't buy it. Let's just wait till this, this motherfucker hits rock bottom. And let's, because all of the houses we're looking at in, and where we're moving in Tennessee, we're like, this has been on the market for three months. There's a $10,000 price cut every month. Like, let's just wait. Let's just see where the bottom is. And those could be Airbnbs. And that's kind of like the joke among... It, it, the, so the, a, a lot of people, a lot of millennials I know are, are just like really cynical about... Uh, first of all, generations are made up and stupid. But a lot of millennials <laughs> I know are kind of cynical about like, well, you know, our, our adult lives were defined by like it started with 9-11, followed by the worst global financial crisis in three generations and an unending war on terror and then now it's like it's like the millennial way of doing business is like hoping for the next housing market crash so you can like finally buy a home right yeah and like yeah. there like there's there's plenty of cynicism to that to be sure but there's also a little bit of truth to it it's like well you know, if if you're trying to buy a home right now in a competitive market a lot of people are flocking to uh, a lot of people are leaving cities but cities still continually draw talent for like the educated class of uh people right and if people are trying to buy homes a lot of that space is being taken up by people who are trying to like commodify the gig economy and, and renting out airbnb so like the reason that people's rents are in, are inflated the reason that people's mortgages are inflated is because the demand is artificially high because people are trying to basically like make a quick buck so if you're struggling to buy a home one thing that you can probably do to like relieve a little emotional stress is just like get mad at airbnb yeah, and I agree. Verbo, and these other companies that like people are taking advantage of, and it's like you know, on the one hand, people should like it, it should be easier to find housing in this country. It should be much easier, and like the, like no wonder cities are upset about that because like most cities have uh, like a large population of people who just do not have housing. They ha struggle to find affordable housing, even for people who are like making good money and like have a good job. Like housing is really challenging and it's getting it's continually getting worse but on the other hand it's like you know if there's market space available for it if people can find ways to like make the system work for them like it's hard for me to it's hard for me to blame somebody for wanting to generate income and live well on the basis of like identifying a, a space in the market it's just like as you said it's just not a prudent like short-term thing it's it's not it's not meant to be like that it's like it's like if you if you're investing in stocks and like using high rates of return on stock trading every day to like subsidize your lifestyle right, well right. okay that's great until you start dealing in stock, like until you, until you start losing value, and it's like, well, you know, the long term investments like the the bonds and the the market index funds, like the the long term safer uh, guaranteed returns on investments, 
are uh, a, a much more prudent investment and people tend to make mistakes when they want like really short-term gains and want to like try to take advantage of the market. Right. And it seems like everyone, and you go all in and you're like, this is going to be great. I'm going to take advantage of this. And it, it, the, what happened during COVID I find, I, I mean, I'm, I hope that there's a psychology papers and studies being written about this that I can read. Cause I mean, it's just a hypothesis that I have that, for the first six weeks of COVID or so, when everybody was on the same page and we were ruminating and everybody was like, we're in this together, it created both a, a unitarian mindset. And I think that led a lot to like the George Floyd uh, martyrdom and protests where everybody was like, hey, we just did this thing all as one unit. Let's do more stuff as a unit. And it was really helpful. But also at the same time, everybody was just alone with their thoughts. And people yeah. thought very deeply about some things. And I, I'm sure a lot of people came to the conclusion that I mean, we talked about commuting to work and work from home, which I'm sure we'll get into in future episodes. But the other thing I think that they probably thought about was like, I'm going to take advantage. I, I'm not going to get fucked anymore. I'm going to go be aggressive and I'm going to like control my own destiny and do this Airbnb thing. And if you were early on that, like in the first month of the pandemic, you probably are doing fine. And maybe you have the capital to withstand this situation and go maybe get through the adjustable rates on the houses that you bought and whatnot. But if you waited too long, everybody was at home ruminating in their thoughts. Like this thought that I'm having is a rumination that I had during COVID. Everybody was doing that for a long time. And when everybody makes a move, this kind of stuff can happen. So I want to get into San Diego and Atlanta. Um, San Diego and Atlanta are pushing back. And I think you're going to see this. So I'm with you in like, because I, you and I are, I think kind of traditional capitalists, I, I vibe with the open market in a lot of ways. I think there, I mean, regulation is important in, in certain ways. I also vibe with, you know, the American way of governance, which is like, daddy gets his money and and i think that cities are getting screwed <laughs> he does you should, you should write a social studies textbook with it write like a high school textbook like the american government daddy gets his money right well that's what so capitalism is part of it and people are like well, what are you, socialism is like well part of capitalism is like the government is a business too and like they want money and if they say give me money that's they're the mob and they can just take it and i think that <laughs> they're, they're, they're the mob they're the democratically elected mob i mean <laughs> Right? They like, do have a monopoly on power. We've talked about the social contract on this show before. Right, exactly. They, and they do. Like, everybody agrees. So what happened in these cities is like a lot of Airbnb stuff. And now everyone's like, so not only are you taking the supply off the market and taking away rentals. It's like, it's not just that nobody can buy the house. It's that you're creating a short-term rental so nobody can fucking rent a house either because that market's gone because it's all short-term. Atlanta and San Diego were like, fiend, done. You need to be an incorporated business. You need to pay an insane amount of taxes and short-term rentals. Your portfolio will be limited. That's it. End of conversation. Done. So that means if you own them, sell them right the fuck now. And yep. that, that's what that's happening in San Diego. And I think Atlanta is going to have similar laws. I'm trying to find the Atlanta laws right now. Do you have them up? I got to no. find them. Yeah. So Atlanta, I think I'm, I don't know when this goes into effect, but I know that Atlanta and San Diego recently passed these laws. Um, that I think it's like you can have somewhere between two and five, depending on where you are within the city. And I think that for the most part, uh, the taxes on, the, uh, on these are going to be, you, you don't pay homeowner taxes. You are going to pay landlord taxes, which has been another thing that has been a bugaboo of cities. And again, that's where I, I kind of vibe with the cities on this. Like daddy gets his money. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it, you know, I, 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 I hesitate to credit BuzzFeed with, anything uh, <laughs> except for quizzes. I'm, I'm kind of forced to on on this case because it's it's you know that we, we we did some research and there's like a buzzfeed report on like a lot of the reasons why people are kind of moving away from airbnb or like sourung and airbnb right and uh they they include some examples of like exactly what what you're talking about what we've talked about on the show so like the first one is this tweet from this uh, this person named erica gregor uh at heavy i think uh 
Erica says, I love the concept of Airbnb when it was rent out your house when you're away or rent out your summer home in the off season. Right. Now, when it became a business for people and thousands of homes meant for inhabitants of that city were taken off the rental market. It's like, yeah, I, like, as a city, you want your, you, you want your city to be a desirable place to live. You want it to be easy for people to come there and spend their money and give taxes so that daddy can get his money and like make your mm -hmm. city thriving and have like a good spirit or whatever. And it's hard to do that when people are just like sucking up available supply with their desire to make a quick buck. And like, I, I don't, I don't blame cities for trying to like put the kibosh on this because like, look, it, it's one thing to be pro business and like, Support the entrepreneurial spirit. That's yeah, yeah that's really great. That's wonderful. But you do have to balance the public good. Like there are some goods that are like necessary and important for like a healthy functional society. So like it's a case where you restrict the freedom of some people to make money in order to like protect access to of other people to the market that they need to like live and yes. like survive and have a thriving lifestyle in a city where it's otherwise impossible to do so. And yeah. like it shouldn't, it shouldn't benefit people who just happen to get in on this like Airbnb temporary market boom in 2021 over like people who are trying to make a life for themselves in a particular place. Well, and it's it's also like like an aside here because I'm also I don't know if an aside, but to, to build off of what you're saying, I think I'm to be clarified, I am a hundred percent on board with owning a portfolio of single or multifamily properties and renting them out ethically and paying taxes and getting permits and being a landlord. Rental markets or whatever. We know that BlackRock and Goldman Sachs are buying all the houses, which is sketchy, and cities need to look into that, and they need to make sure that they have the, the, the neighborhoods and the communities in mind and aren't just, like, raping us. But, like, if you want to be a landlord, that's completely fine. That's a tale as old as time. Fine with me. The problem to me is that you are screwing up housing, which is different than vacationing, just because the rental structure, the fee structure is different. You can go into cities and there are sketchy uh, hotels that a lot of are often used for homeless people and also use a lot for like nefarious things like drugs that you can rent out by the hour. Cause some people just want to take a shower. Like if, if you're homeless, you'd take a shower, but that, that service exists, right? So there should be short-term rentals. That's great. But it couldn't, you don't want to obliterate a city's renting and housing supply so that you can make a couple hundred bucks when the Democratic National Convention is held in Georgia or whatever. Like that, that's a, that's a problem. So I have Atlanta's new laws and I, I agree with uh, pretty much all of them. So the laws that will go into effect in April are number one, you are only legally allowed to own two Airbnbs and one of those Airbnbs must be your primary residence and you have to be able to prove it. Law number two, you have to have a permit on both of your Airbnbs, 150 bucks. Daddy's going to get his money. Mm -hmm. Law number three, you have to inform your neighbors that it's an Airbnb. Because that's another thing <laughs> you here, go, too. Can you imagine, like, like, going and knocking on your neighbor's door, like, the government has required that I have to report myself. I am a legally registered Airbnb rental owner. Well, there's been some sketchy shit. People hold parties, and there have been murders. It's a great place to murder someone. What? Like, that's been a thing. Oh, yeah, look it, look it up, man. It's a great Airbnb, place to do stuff. Airbnb murder. It sounds like a Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, if you're going to, like, have a party or sell drugs, like, do it in someone else's house. I mean, I guess that's the point. Yeah, that, that, exactly. That's, that's a good point. And, yeah. and the fourth law, and this is the most important one, I think, to me, and this is kind of gets at the heart of what we're getting at, you have to be a resident of the city. You cannot yeah, be from Seattle and Airbnb shit in Atlanta. Like, this is neighbors helping neighbors. It's going to be neighbors helping neighbors, not some entrepreneur from Nebraska that wants to make some money in Atlanta because it's a hot market. No, if you want to be a landlord in Atlanta, you need to go there, and you need to buy the multifamily homes, and you need to rent them out the way that's ethical. So Atlanta got the money. 
and they're going to prioritize the neighborhood. And I, the question I have, Chris, and I guess I'll just get your thoughts. Like, I don't know what this is going to do for Airbnb as a company. Are people going to start buying houses and renting them out? Or like, is this going to help them? Because it's oversupplied yeah, I mean, right now. That, yeah, that's really one of the questions. Like, like so um, I want to read another tweet that uh, that kind of exemplifies this this sort of like the, the 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 chief issue here. I think is the disconnect between the original model of Airbnb, which is like a temporary like somebody has an asset they're not using and someone else wants to take advantage of it and pay for it. Like, okay, right. that's the original concept. Like, but that's totally disconnected from this systematized scalable model of income generation for entrepreneurial landlords. Like the, the short-term rental process is not meant to be a long-term source of income in the same way that like rental properties are like the timescales don't match up. And I think that disconnect is, is like the primary cause of problems here. And this tweet from someone named Xanax in a Cinnabon <laughs> at Xanabon <laughs> tweets <laughs> airbnb landlords are like how come no one wants to book my house maybe it's because you evicted a family of four converted their home into a shoddy duplex filled it with clearance bin tj maxx decor and charge guests 200 for a cleaning fee all because you don't feel like getting a job so like <laughs> making a lot of assumptions there xanabon yeah. but like the point is the same like it's it's not supposed to be a a, a case of like oh yeah i i'm an airbnb -er. I rent out 14 different properties in six different cities on the Atlantic seaboard and I make $180,000 a year off of my properties and I get people to do all of my chores for me. Hey, that, that's, it was, it was never supposed to be that, but like also there are no, there, there with the system of Airbnb and the system of Verbo, like there are no checks in place to make sure that people can't do that. So right. it's up to the cities to like regulate that and, and do, as you said, like make sure that people actually are residents of a city Make sure that people are actually registered. Make sure that people are paying taxes commensurate with like rental income and not just like property ownership. And I think those checks probably will do a number on Airbnb's model from like the entrepreneurial point of view. But I don't know that people are ever going to like really lose their taste for like renting out chic little cabins in the woods for a getaway right. or like trying to go to a little vacation cottage over the, you know, in like, rent out one unit for your whole family instead of having to get like six different hotel rooms across like a large Marriott or something. Right. So I, I think that demand is always going to be there, but I, I do think this post COVID, this post post COVID boom is going to be a real, uh, the, the, the market correction is going to be significant for Airbnb. And I, and I can't help but wonder if that's going to result in a permanent change in the way that Airbnbers, like the renters themselves mm -hmm. are going to try to do business. And I wonder if that's going to cause people to step away. Yeah, and I, th I think well, we're seeing this kind of crash right now, too. So people have to get rid of their supply because they can't afford the mortgage payments. They can't afford the taxes, depending on where they live, because no one's renting out, because those people also don't have money. And when expendable income, when the economy goes down, the expendable income shit is the shit that gets cut, right? And that, and that makes a ton of sense. Like, if you're subscribed to, like, say, I mean, no disrespect, like The Athletic, and it's two bucks a month, and you're like, <laughs> well, that's 12 bucks a year. Yeah, I don't need it. I'm out. And, like, if you save, like, 10 things like that, like, uh, you know, all of your your, your um, subscriber stuff, which is, we should get in that too. All of these companies, it's just a subscriber based economy. Like these idiots, they'll subscribe, they'll, they'll pay for anything until the economy goes down. And then all of a sudden yeah. Peloton is laying off 700 more people. But I do think also, I kind of had this thought in doing research for these episodes, you look at Uber and you look at all the TaskRabbit services, I think it's literally called TaskRabbit and Instacart and all of these, these services that kind of, you know, the gig economy that do stuff for people. Eventually, I think we're leading to a place where if these, these, companies like Uber and, and Airbnb, 
if they get regulated the way the governments are going to regulate them for safety, because another part of this is that there's no liability. Like hotels have liability and people can like, you're in a vulnerable place. There are many TikToks and examples of people like being filmed in bathrooms and stuff from Airbnb hosts, which like on one hand, is it creepy? On the other hand, it's like, you're in my house. Like I need to know where the Coke is, you know? So like there's a whole lot of stuff to regulate here. I think that a lot of these companies are going to be in trouble and eventually we're headed to a place where all of it is just going to be done through like Facebook and TikTok. Like those companies are going to become the TaskRabbit distributor because they have the capital and the infrastructure to just be like, I'll do it. Like TikTok, or Facebook has kind of, it's in the process of killing Craigslist. Yeah, like the, the Facebook marketplace is like a significant, like it, it, it's, a, it's a really convenient thing because like I think the, the function of like having a group maybe mm-hmm. changes things. Like Craigslist is like, all right, I found a guy on Craigslist who said he's willing to, like, he said he's willing to like sell me his bike and he promised not to ask for feet pics. Like, yeah. like weird, weird stuff like that, that like right. may or may not be innocuous, but like it, Craigslist just feels really shady to Dark. me. I mean, well, it, it, because... for whatever reason, like the reputation was like kind of ruined by like the Craigslist killer. Uh, that and also, um, I got really into the weeds in this. I watched a lot of documentaries on this. And John McCain, the last great thing he did before he died was get legislation passed that, that stopped Craigslist and another Craigslisty kind of website called Backpage.com from, um, that's where sex trafficking happened. Like 90 yeah, something percent of it. And like they were using emojis and it was becoming very clear to John McCain and others that like Craigslist and Backpage knew what the fuck was going on. And they were yeah. like, okay, well, you can't do that anymore. If there's any romantic or sex stuff happening on the site, you are, you are immediately shut down permanently. And after that, Craigslist and Backpage, get this, lost a lot of revenue. Mm, and now, crazy. Yeah, right. So like, and Facebook has crushed it. And another part of it, and I, I also think we're heading to this place where all social media will be verified. Like your identity is going, because I know that dating app started doing that, which is obvious because you don't want to yeah. be murdered. Like this person right. is who he says he is. On Facebook, it's the same way. You're going to go meet up with someone at their house to buy their bike. Like yeah, and, and like and like Twitter, like there there are different social media platforms that have like a, a different degree. There's like I just quoted somebody named Xanabon. Yeah, so exactly. Like that that kind of like persona based social media with like sites like Reddit and like the four chains of the world and and Twitter and stuff. Like it's it's easier and more convenient. I think more popular to make like parody accounts. But with like kind of legit more established social media sites like like your Facebooks and your LinkedIn's mm-hmm. and whatever else. Like it's really hard to do just like crazy shady stuff. Like there are there are extra hoops to jump through, and like the group based structure of like, all right, I'm in a community first, and that community is based on like buying and selling things, and like or it's like based on trading commodities. Like that's that's a different way of doing business. I think it's a little bit safer. It's a little bit more verified, uh, and I also like I can't help but wonder, like okay, this is where I'm gonna ask for your opinion, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm interested to know what like player three thinks about this. Uh, I don't know. Oh, if yeah, I'm you can email point. us. By the way, the email is yes. in the show notes and Twitter, and and also if you listen on Spotify, there's a prompt, and you can participate just like it's reddit yeah we we highly encourage any kind of participation and 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 we'd be we'd be excited to hear from you i i actually just like a quick sidebar uh side quest Mm -hmm. Uh, i uh i i discuss the the contents of the show with uh increasingly many people in my life and uh it's it's fun and exciting we could talk about a lot of this stuff like uh, we just happened upon a pretty cool topic i think game theory is like a really cool thing and yeah like it's it's applicable to like a lot of interesting parts of life and I don't think it's ever really going to go away so I I, I I just want to shout out to player three like I really yeah, appreciate all the, sure. all the conversations we've had about shout this. to all the nerds thanks for thanks for hanging out with us for sure it's kind of yeah. humbling oh oh for sure and uh, so I, I want to kind of like get a sense of the water and I, so I, I don't know if, if this sentiment that I'm about to express is more a reflection of like where I'm at in my life personally mm-hmm. or if it's like actually capturing some like slice of, uh, of like general cultural attitudes so 
it seems to me that like the the opinions of like larger sort of like big box stores, name brands, chains, like large uh, replicable organizations like your restaurants and your Walmarts and your hotels and, and, and that kind of stuff. It seems like the general attitude is kind of like, for whatever reason, coming back around on, on that kind of thing. And like the, the boot, the boutique one-off kind of like chic, hyper local market of stuff. And I'm, I'm thinking like your farmer's markets and your yeah. Airbnb rentals and like your locally made, locally owned, you know, little mom and pop shop of whatever. It feels like it's not that those things are, I don't know. They're, they're, they're not the object of derision. Uh, although Airbnb, I think, would fit into that category. People they are the biggest are, one that people unanimously hate. I mean, oh, for sure. I, just, I, I take the pulse of this stuff on TikTok, which is TikTok, Imgur, and Reddit are always first to understand what's going on, and Twitter's always last. So by the time it makes it to Twitter, it's like, yeah, we've been pissed at Airbnb for months now. Yeah. Well, and, and like... So, so like what I'm thinking of is like uh, there's a New York Times piece about Airbnb and, and like the, the end of this millennial lifestyle subsidy. Uh, and they don't they don't cite the, the person who tweeted this, but uh, they cite another Twitter user that says Airbnb got too much dip on the chip. No one's going to continue to pay $500 to stay in an apartment for two days when they can pay $300 for a hotel stay that has a pool, room service, free breakfast and cleaning every day. Like get real. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I mean there are, are things about like large kind of like less romantic, less chic, less unique, quirky, whatever that are actually really good. And yeah. there's a reason that like big box stores are everywhere. And there's a reason that like large restaurant chains are everywhere. And like, I think part of it is like you get a predictable quality for what you're paying for. And, and I don't, I, again, I don't, I don't know if that's just like the fact that I'm in a place now where I'm tired of paying like, the uh, the mom and pop tax where it's like sixty eight dollars for the same bagels I could get at Walmart mm -hmm. for twenty five yeah and like or you know I I don't know if the, if it's just like a personal consumption thing or if this really is like a cultural moment so player three would love to hear hear from you about that Nick I want to hear from you about this right now yeah, like I don't know yeah. if, like correct me here okay I will I think um, you are right ish and I I think that it's not a cultural recorrection away from the hipster economy what I think has happened is that the hipster economy pointed out to the big box stores like what motivated the buyers of the boomer Gen X uh, generations, like say from the, the 1955 to 1995, what motivated those people, what got those people to spend their money is not how the, the, the younger generations, the older millennials, young Gen X, you know, 1985 to now. And these kind of mom and pop stuff were like, we have a different thing. And I'm, I'm as a consumer, I'm willing to pay more for this thing that is objectively not as gross or shitty or weird. And now these big stores are like, okay, message received. We're going to do that. And I think that these, these billionaire companies have upped their game. And now people are like, oh, okay. Because you said, I'm not going to pay 60 cents more per bagel for another bagel. But that is only recently the case back you know, 10 years ago, those things like, well, here's the bagels is what they cost. You're like, yeah, that's kind of gross though. I want that bagel. And then you bought that and they're like, fuck, we got to get these bagels. And they did. And I, I think a great example of this is the alcohol and beer market, big stores and stuff. You got to have your 30 racks and Miller light. But a lot of beer people were like, I kind of want something that tastes good. And so they went and did that. And now you'll see on one hand, not only do the big retailers carry that stuff, but also Budweiser bought up a bunch of small breweries and like, this is where the money is. Like, we're not even going to put Budweiser's label on it. We're just going to own Breckenridge. We're just going to own Ballast. I don't, I don't know if they own Ballast. Someone owns Ballast Point. They're like, yeah, you know what? That's where the money is. We're going to do that. And we're going to leave it alone. We're not going to make it St. Louis-y. We're just going to 
own this company and we're going to make money here. And so I think you're right in that there's people are not just hating on corporate America for the sake of hating on corporate America, but corporate America also adjusted like target got good clothes. And now here we are. Yeah. Like the, the classic, uh, office office kind of like nostalgia of the 1990s. Like I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Like I watched office space recently oh, and this like, it's like, it's like dude, yo, crazy. I forgot how sinister the plot is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we that, that that's actually really interesting. Like they okay, there's we can talk about that in a, in a different episode. Side quest, <laughs> yes, definitely a side quest. But you know th- this kind of uh, this kind of like hyper corporate uh, Americana of like when managers first started to figure out what like how, what lean and effective management is, and mm-hmm. this white collar success story is like the best success story of the '90s. And like this kind of like cultural attitude, like it really led to like a sterilization and and kind of like it, it made everything a little bit boring and more whitewashed yeah. and more uniform and, right. and more like assembly line ish. And I think there was certainly plenty of pushback with that. Like the beer market is a good example of that. Uh, but like you know, if you move to a city, like you, you go to a local place instead of like like why would you why would you go to like Applebee's when you could go to you know little Tina's or whatever. Right. And get like similar stuff. You know, it's, it, it might be higher prices, but you know, part of that's probably just a function of like, you're living in a city and the real estate's higher. So, you know, you got to have higher prices for stuff. So I, I, I do think, I, I think whatever, whatever the cause and effect relationship is there, I think one of the end results is like, things are better for consumers when people pay more attention to like local stuff. Like prices are one thing, but it's also just good to have variety. It's good to have quality too. Like you yeah, don't want to just like, yeah, like like you said, I mean, beer drinkers want to drink good beer. Like, yeah. and I think I, like I'm, I'm a I'm a beer guy in 1986. Right, is different from I'm a beer guy in 2022. Like, right. it doesn't mean the same thing. Right, and I think a beer market's a great way to like kind of circle back to Airbnb of like what's kind of happening. Whenever there's a hard trend one way, you have to understand that trend's gonna pop. And like, I got into craft beer, and like I think I mentioned on previous episodes, liquor and wine and whatnot. The craft beer bubble has popped. And that means that like making money as a craft brewer and getting into craft beer as a marketplace is not what it was because it's kind of people under people get it now. And if you're into beer, you know what a stout is, you know what an IPA is, and and that's all well and good and fine. But what you want as a business, as a marketplace, is to give people the option to make the decisions for themselves. So like for Airbnb, right? When I want to make travel plans, I would like a plethora of options. I want to know what's laid out in front of me so I can make the decision. Is it worth $100 a night for three more nights to be able to have Thanksgiving dinner around a table at someone's house? Or am I like, when we, you and I went to Philly recently, we stayed at a Kimpton hotel. It had wine in the lobby at 5 p.m. There were restaurants walking distance and we didn't have to do any laundry. So those, I want all of it in front of me and I want to make the decision myself. The problem is that if, if one group dominates the market, then they can raise prices. And you're like, well, now I have to stay in the hotel because I'm just not going to pay this. It's, not, it's worth $100. It's not worth $600 to sit around a table, right? And so whatever it evens out, like when I go to the liquor store, do if I, would, if I want a 30-racket PBR or if I want something from Founders, it's in front of me. I can choose. And that's, that's the key. When the consumers have the power, the quality goes up. And also the prices go down for the cheap shit. Like Miller Lite is this... It, the, those companies, these liquor stores, don't make profit on that stuff because they're selling it at literally as low as it can go. Yeah, well, and it, one of the other things that we haven't really talked about, and uh, I don't want to get too far into this, but like there are other risks associated with doing this like kind of gig economy based independent uh, degree of consumer availability. Like if you get in an Uber and somebody is a smoker, like you just got to deal with that. If you get in yep. an Uber and like they just don't keep their car clean, like you got to deal with that. Yep. Uh, 
Airbnb, the risks are a little bit different. Like maybe the house is crappy. Maybe there's like weird things about it. Uh, but there are also like genuine risk factors. Like people find cameras in their Airbnbs mm -hmm. like all the time, like in the bedrooms and the showers and stuff like that, like hidden behind vents or uh, plugged into the wall. I saw like one. There's a charger. charger. There's a, yeah. The, did you see the charger one? Holy oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a camera that's like kind of hidden behind this like false plastic backing. And like you can, mm -hmm. you can identify those things and like highly encourage you to like research like how to identify that kind of stuff and like mitigate those sorts of risks uh you the risk is much lower in hotels like if it's a national yeah. chain like the odds of you finding a camera in your marriott bathroom in your hampton inn bathroom like i mean that's just that's just not going to happen and there's not really as much of an incentive for it as whereas like if airbnb is like well i want to capitalize on a little bit of uh dark web sort of like yep. trafficking and stuff like yeah that's the, the risks are a lot higher there so I think that's, you know, that's just another thing to consider is like there there are elements of this that are not just about the availability of like conveniences, but also like how can I make sure this is like a like a safe, repeatable sort of stay. And like and when, while, while I'm talking about risk, I think one of the things that that is important for consumers to sort of look out for is identifying the difference between when like a new space in the market is actually like a, a genuine game changer or is like actually a, a, a permanent improvement in the way that things are versus like is this just a space that can be filled by people who want to be opportunistic and make a lot of money yeah so my my partner listens to a lot of like watches a lot of youtube videos and uh she's been really into like scammers and stuff recently and one of the one of the ways that scammers operate is by like identifying a large umbrella and finding space within that for basically multi-level marketing schemes. Mm -hmm. So like we listened to one about uh, Audible recently. So yeah. like people will pay ghostwriters to write books and then they'll pay somebody to like narrate the book. And like people will pitch that as a way for someone else to come in and license the book and license the recording of the book and sell those licenses and get royalties as returns off of that for doing no work. And like it just, it's too good to be true it's clearly really scummy and it's a space in like the middle of a large established market that like has the framework and like all the trappings of safety of like a big brand name, but mm -hmm. it seems like a real game changer. And it's like, Oh my God, this is going to revolutionize the way that you make money. You're going to earn this passive income. And they use all these like shitty little buzzwords. And that's kind of what I perceive to be happening with Airbnb or to have happened with Airbnb where like the original concept was if somebody has an asset that's not being used, it only seems fair for somebody to go ahead and like use that asset and like put it to work. Uh, but that's not what's happening. People are instead right. just buying up a bunch of stuff and trying to like turn this into a replicable scheme for making money. And the consumer loses out in cases like that. Yeah. And I think, I think you go back to like you, 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 this, this, this returning of, of people being okay with big corporate America. I think the most important thing is that, and we, you referenced the book Bowling Alone, which I still have to read and everybody listen to multiple podcasts. Cannot recommend it enough. Player three. Robert Putnam, Bowling Alone, 2020 edition. Like it's, it's an incredible book. It, it yeah. changed the way I see American society. And a lot of what I say on this show is based on that book. Highly recommend and this is not the only podcast like that. I listen to a couple that reference it constantly, so I'm I'm going to to have to read it. But one thing that I think is happening that social media it recently is is taking things from a broadcast nationwide global thing and making it more hyper localized. It's kind of returning community to a thing that exists in, in in a weird way. And and one thing I think that makes this kind of important is that Airbnb should be regulated differently based on the marketplace and what that marketplace needs. Like I don't think that these laws in Atlanta are acceptable for a place like Oxford, Mississippi, where like I I don't want to stay in a hotel. I can't afford eleven hundred dollars a night at one of these nice hotels. 
if you want to rent out your house as a professor and go away for a weekend, I will pay $200 to stay in your house to watch a football game. Or I went to a bachelor party in Asheville. There was a mansion. There were 11 of us. It was like 200 bucks each to stay in this mansion. This mansion had been... <clears throat> idiot 20 year old guy proofed there was metal everywhere it was like dead it's like we could not fuck up this house and like in Asheville where people do that kind of stuff that was like this is a great thing this should exist the person who owns this should be making more of these for the marketplace so that if you want to go to Asheville and stay in a hotel downtown fine if you want to have a bachelor party and not destroy or have to rent out a villa for 19 grand a night at a nice hotel or whatever this should exist but in atlanta they're like we have a homelessness crisis stop doing this in Asheville, i'm like you know what just keep an eye on it make sure that you're not stealing from people that need a place to live but like let this happen and like for example like in grocery stores like if you are in an area of high jewish population i would have kosher food and they should have good local kosher stuff just a thought. And if you're not, if, if that's not demand in your place, you should, it's exactly like in the alcohol. You have to have the local beer at the big box grocery store because people want it. And if you don't have it, they're going to find it. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. Like, why do you think McDonald's has filet of fish mm-hmm. in February and March? Correct. Because it's cotting season. No. No. <laughs> it's for the Catholics. Yeah. All the Catholics in Chicago, Buffalo. In Chicago. Oh, yeah. Cleveland. Uh, they want to get their fish. I do want to get out of here on this. Chris, have you heard of the Wolf of Airbnb? <laughs> no. I'm going to take that as not. a no. So this guy who's 31 and been gallivanting the globe with all his money, he what he did was he rented out 18 apartments in one building, right? Wow. And Yes. And then he made it look like he was living there and Airbnb'd <laughs> them out. So he made more money on them than the people who were renting, but then he did the most brilliant thing I've ever heard in my life is that he didn't pay any of the rent on the rentals that he rented out, and he got evicted. And they were like, wait, what the <laughs> fuck has been going on? So where's all the money? And he's basically just like, yeah, I spent it. I, I just... <laughs> I watched... Uh, all right. I watched uh, Real Housewives of wherever. I think uh, it's like the Beverly Hills was. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this Erica Jane is uh, constantly in trouble. She's uh, yeah. She clearly married somebody who was scamming, and she obviously knew it was a scam, and like, spends like two years just denying, like, oh, yeah, this is blah, blah. And oh, she's that was clearly the plane parroting. crash victim guy. Yes. yes, yes. And she's like clearly parroting all this stuff like, that her lawyers are obviously telling her. And like in one of, the, one of the episodes, like the other housewives are like talking about it, and she's like, I think they knew what happened here. And like, I think they like are aware that they got to get rid of me. And so some, someone's like, oh, well, like, but then if, if there's all this money that was taken from the plane crash victims, then where is it now? And one of them just goes, girl, they spent it. <laughs> that's, I've, I, I've seen that season, man. I've seen that season. And that's exactly, it's amazing. I love that. when that, Whenever one of those housewives people does something actually illegal, I like to watch it because then they're like, their hus- her husband, who they're, they're getting a divorce, right? So that yeah. like she can keep all of the assets. And they're like, he's like sending her to these groups. And there was one night where she's like kind of telling the truth a little bit and she looks all offended. And then the next night she's like looking into the camera and be like, we had no knowledge at, on October 18th that anything possibly nefarious had gone down. Please don't check out the price of my shoes. <laughs> those people ripped off Bad plane crash shirt. victim families. Fuck those guys. Yeah, there's, there's a special place in hell for that family. But yeah, they spent it. He's they on he's got a TikTok. Of, he's on jets and shit. And they're like, where's the money? <laughs> It's like it's going. It's like going out the exhaust pipe right now. Right, and don't do that for with your money. I, I, I can't decide the next time I'm gonna do Airbnb. Maybe Christmas. I don't know. We'll see. It's yeah. been a while. Possibility. You know, let's yeah. try it. Let's try out Verbo. We've, uh, we've talked shit on Airbnb a lot this episode. Verbo probably just as bad. 
probably uh, yeah i mean in work we're gonna find out the hard way that's for sure i'm tired of their advertisements i'll tell you that yeah that is true you're not better than us for a moment.